Good afternoon, everybody. I have the challenge of going straight after lunch, um, but I, hopefully I'm up to the challenge. Um, first, I just want to thank uh, Mary and Yale uh, for inviting me here today. It's um, just a real pleasure, and it's, um, it's fun to sort of uh, partake of the obvious joy and, and devotion to the program um, and to the profession, I think, uh, certainly, that we all share. Um, and I'm going to talk about um, some research I did for my uh, dissertation for the DRPH. And how this came about was the first time I went to the island, um, which was for uh, a PAEA uh, board of directors meeting initially, and then we had our full meeting. I was at, at that time working on some international um, things, and it just occurred to me that this was part of the United States, and it was there were no PAs there, and here we were. Sub-Saharan Africa, all kinds of other places, uh, they developed PA analogs, and yet there were none uh, on the island. Uh, before I start, I do want to do a linguistic note, which is, I can say Puerto Rico, but um, I'm going to say Puerto Rico, um, because shockingly, when I did all my interviews, I discovered that a lot of people on the island pronounce it Puerto Rico as well. So I, just so you know, I can say it properly. Um, <laughs> And an interesting sidelight of history, after the Spanish-American War in 1898, when uh, Puerto Rico became part of the U.S., one of the things that was mandated by the U.S. government was to, um, to spell it P-O-R-T-O uh, instead of Puerto, and, uh, which is interesting since that word exists in Portuguese but not in Spanish. Um, the other thing that's always controversial is whether um, it's a territory or a colony or a free associated state, and I'll just recognize that there are a number of viewpoints on that, and uh, that's not really uh, any direct part of my uh, conversation. So uh, as I've alluded to, um, Puerto Rico is the last large jurisdiction in the U.S. that does not have PAs. Um, it is an island 100 miles um, uh, this way by 35 miles this way, and very important as we talk about access to care is to look at this very large mountain range that bisects the island. So my research question was, what are the barriers and potential facilitators to enabling legislation for PAs in Puerto Rico? Now, um, and many of you are familiar with this already, so forgive me for boring you, but. Uh, a qualitative approach means that we're looking for an in-depth understanding, but not generalizability. Um, and what this means is rather than a random sample from which we can generalize, we have a purposeful sample where we try to very carefully uh, select our subjects for, in this case, uh, for interview, and in order to gain a deep understanding of, of um, uh, the answers to the question. And in order to do that, I. Uh, look for a wide representation of uh, key contexts uh, in uh, Puerto Rico, including all four of the medical schools, um, physicians in primary care and specialties, um, not just physicians but PAs, and decision makers and administrators, so um, legislators, uh, folks in the government, and people in the health insurance um, industry. I did 25 semi-structured interviews, meaning I had a list of questions, but I could follow up um, somewhat extemporaneously on those based on answers. And the majority of the interviews were conducted in Puerto Rico in January 2008. <clears throat> Since I am a member of the Duke faculty and was also a graduate student at UNC, I had the unique um, 
wonderful experience of having to go through two IRBs, which had very different um, approaches. Um, I sit on the, I'm a member of the Duke IRB, so I was familiar with that, and they're, they're not so familiar with qualitative research, or at, research at Duke as you might imagine, so they thought everything I did was just fine. UNC Chapel Hill has found a number of gaps in my approach, um, but it was uh, what you're supposed to do in school is learn, and I definitely did from the, that experience. Um, interviews were conducted in both English and Spanish based on either English or Spanish. Um, I guess doing both would be Spanglish, but uh, we, we did either language based on the preference of the interview subject. I then transcribed um, all of the interviews myself, um, which resulted in a dissertation-related injury, um, <laughs> which was uh, a tendonitis um, in my right ankle as a result of going back and back and back and listening uh, to make sure I'd understood um, what had been said. Now, one of the members of my, um, uh, my dissertation uh, committee Otilio Ramos, who is a true gentleman and scholar, um, physician assistant, who's originally from Puerto Rico, he sat down and listened to all of them with me to make sure I had it right. Um, and he caught a few interesting things. Uh, at one point, a physician, I said, do you think there's a need for PAs in Puerto Rico? And he said, I think they're asking for them, is how I had uh, captured it, perindo. Uh, but I missed, he sort of mumbled after that, a grito, screaming for them. Uh, so uh, Otilio's uh, help was very, very necessary to capture, capture really the true sense. And I coded these interviews based on themes um, using the software Atlas TI. The interview questions, um, and of course my dissertation is available for your um, pleasure uh, reading uh, through ProQuest. And of course all the appendices contain actual questions, both in English and Spanish and so forth. But the aim was to find out about what they knew about PAs, what attitudes were, what in particular they believed about access to care, as it would then translate toward need, and what they thought about the adequacy of the physician supply on the island. I was very interested in learning in the about the structure and politics of organized medicine um, and specific barriers and then what strategies we might evolve to try and achieve enabling legislation. The major perspectives broke down, as one might predict, into those were pro and those were con. The antagonists just simply, I call them antagonists and proponents. Um, antagonists said that really that PAs weren't needed. Um, and I'll obviously go into some more depth about their sort of their discourse around that. Proponents felt that PAs were not only needed, they were needed urgently or a grito. And they um, also, these two groups uh, displayed really fundamental differences in their beliefs about access to care and it, whether it was good or, or, or not. So the themes that I then coded were antagonist, proponent, and then cross-cutting, things that I heard from both groups. The antagonist themes um, really said that there were plenty of physicians uh, on the island. Supply was sufficient, they have four medical schools, um, and that PAs were just simply not needed. Um, and certainly if one looks at the number, they're absolutely right. Um, the number per 100,000 of physicians is pretty much the same as it is on, in mainland US. Um, they said it's, it's a small island, that was something I heard uh, a lot. 
um, that geographic access was not an issue because you were always just really close to um, health care, and that really patients would not accept PAs. Um, that was just not something that was going to work culturally. And furthermore, that PAs would experience a really negative practice environment. It just wouldn't be a good place for us, and we should really, you know, we, we were best advised to direct our efforts el elsewhere. I have to stop for just a minute and say even among those most ardently opposed, universally, all of the folks that I spoke with were gracious, uh, kind, um, I think generous in uh, allowing me their time. And one of the challenges when you're sort of an, uh, you know, part of the experiment uh, is to maintain that distance and not, um, and not um, engage in you know, personal feelings about the profession that, you know, I know we all love so much. Um, and I've got a chapter about that in the, in the dissertation, of course, um, just about trying to maintain distance. Now, the proponent themes were that it's fine to say it's a small island, but there are a lot of transportation barriers that even if it's, it looks close as the crow flies, it can be extremely difficult. They talked about waiting for care, particularly, and this is important for my future, my later um, recommendations, particularly with respect to uh, medical and surgical subspecialties. There was a long wait for care, and people would go to clinics for primary care without an appointment system and wait uh, to be seen. And then something came up, which is the generalistas, or the generalist physicians, and um, I think it was good that Spanish was not one of my first languages, and so I had to be really careful about making sure I understood what people were telling me, so I didn't take face value for words if I wasn't really 100% clear. So when they talked about the generalistas, I said, well, tell me what that means. Well, it turns out what that means is these are physicians who graduated from Caribbean medical schools, who do not speak English, who cannot do the USMLE, who uh, then come to Puerto Rico to practice and take a local board, which is given in Spanish, and then they do a one-year internship, which is usually not a standardized internship, and then they comprise most of the primary care and urgent care on the island. Um, that physicians, uh, another theme was physician flight from the island, that those physicians who were trained at the University of Puerto Rico Medical Center um, for example, half of them left to go to the U.S. after they, uh, to the U.S. mainland. Puerto Rico is part of the U.S. I don't want to make mistakes like that. Um, to, in order to practice because they would make such better income and have so much, uh, so many fewer hassles in terms of uh, support. And that they have been creating PA-like roles, the theme I called it was below the radar. That was my code, below the radar, that they were taking uh, orderlies and uh, EMTs, and does this sound familiar? Um, it was sort of the Buddy Treadwell story all over again, where they were teaching people to do things and having them do things, but not calling them PA. It was just uh, below the radar. And this turned out to be true in a lot of subspecialties. Um, the cross-cutting things that both proponents and antagonists talked about were opposition, not just from organized medicine, but from nursing. And it's important to note that uh, there is one nurse practitioner, at least at the time there was one nurse practitioner program on the island, but NPs do not have enabling legislation either. And the target that they're seeking is primary care. Again, important um, as I get to my recommendations. 
Um, there were increasing healthcare costs. An interesting uh, fact is that the percentage of uninsured on the island is about 8%, about half of the mainland US, which is about 15. Um, but in the same way that doctors per square inch does not translate to access to care, having a card uh, does not necessarily translate to access to care. This was something called La Reforma, which was uh, put through by a governor who um, was uh, actually a, a surgeon, he's a physician. And this happened at the height of that heady time in 1993 when we thought we would have healthcare reform. And Puerto Rico actually put through a, a version of the Clinton plan. Um, but despite that, um, Puerto Rico has the highest um, percent of their gross uh, product um, spent on healthcare, even more than the mainland US, about 18%. Uh, so they were really facing that in the face of um, the lowest per capita uh, income, about half of that of Mississippi. Um, another theme that I termed was uh, something I termed disorganized medicine, that organized medicine was broken into two camps. Uh, one were the sort of uh, university trained, uh, University of Puerto Rico uh, boarded um, physicians, including family physicians, and then the other group of generalistas who had largely taken control of, um, of organized medicine on the island in a really fascinating story that we don't have time for. Uh, but it really created um, a different political milieu within, um, within uh, organized medicine and they recurrently told me that it was very disorganized and that, that there were different camps. And even the proponents had a very poor understanding of PAs. They would say things like, well, they can see patients, but they can't prescribe. It's sort of like Harvey Estes talked about it back in the 60s. You know, they can, they can take histories and help the doctor, but they, they really can't treat. Um, so some of the context really um, got down to how one defines access. And again, if you just look at insurance, uh, number of um, physicians and so forth, uh, you might assume a certain picture, but acceptability, um, uh, transportation issues, um, these sort of uh, social context issues that create problems uh, were really huge barriers to access. And that politics is absolutely one of the favorite sports in Puerto Rico. It is. I, I spent some time in Texas and I was, I was one of those people that, that lobbied for for, for PA um, enabling legislation um, in Texas, and I thought that was entertaining. But um, Puerto Rico is just, uh, they, people talk about politics, you know, it's just, it's, it's a conversation in a way that we just really aren't familiar with here in the, in the majority culture. And a lot of scandals, a lot of things going on. Uh, during the time I was there, the medical board had um, uh, been alleged to be selling passing scores on the local board. Um, there was, um, you know, allegations of corruption in the governor's office and so forth. So um, it's, it's always something uh, political. Um, there's very much a hierarchy, as I've alluded to, of, um, of social organization of medical practice with um, board certified physicians versus the generalistas. And that physician occupational prestige is still an extremely um, important social factor. And in fact, um, physicians do enjoy, I think, more prestige and respect than perhaps um, is true uh, now in, in this day here in this country. Um, 
And universally, the generalistas were said to be predicted to oppose, uh, I think tooth and nail would be the phrase, um, the introduction of PAs. Um, and the one large study um, that has been done of physician attitudes towards uh, PAs and nurse practitioners back in uh, 81, Ferraro and Sutherland, it was a large sample um, based on um, interviews. And what they found was the higher up in the hierarchy you are of medicine, the more accepting you are of PAs. The lower in the hierarchy, the more threatened and resistant you are to, to PAs and nurse practitioners. And so um, I think that um, I, that's some research I'd like to see us do, um, and perhaps um, I'll get occasion to, to try and do that, um, to look at physician attitudes in that same uh, kind of way uh, again in 2011. Um, the discourse is very interesting. I, I briefly pursued um, a doctorate in sociology, and uh, one of the reasons I desisted was that um, it was very quantitative, and as one of my professors said, you would be the only cultural sociologist um, who's, who's ever um, graduated from, this, uh, from Duke. Um, but I did take some anthropology courses, including analysis of discourse, and there are just a lot of really uh, interesting tidbits within the interviews, such as they use future rather than conditional verbs. So they say, well, you will have this problem, and you will find, rather than you would. And that spoke volumes to me, because I, I believe that back here, if not up in the frontal lobes, the people, all of the people I spoke to saw it as inevitable, um, but needed to continue that discourse. Um, so it was you will rather than you would. And I also found the work of Hirschman very interesting. Um, he talks about, the rhetoric, in the rhetoric of reaction, he talks how people reject ideas that are regarded as radical or disruptive uh, innovation <laughs> and so forth. And so he has a whole sort of um, progression of that, uh, of that rhetoric. And one of them is jeopardy, you know. And that would be, in this case, okay, it's going to be really dangerous to have PAs. The quality of care is going to be really bad, and, and patients, uh, patient safety. Patients need to be kept safe. So, and we've all, who are old enough to have been through that, uh, have heard that uh, to varying degrees, depending on how early we got into the profession. Um, and I didn't hear that. I really didn't hear um, danger, not safe, not quality. Um, it was the, the later argument of futility. You don't want to do it because there's really no point. It's not going to, physicians are having trouble. Your life is just going to be miserable too. Um, patients won't accept you. You know, it's, it's futile. So that to me was, was very interesting. There are other um, interesting aspects of the discourse, but in the interest of time, I'll just highlight those two that I think are very important. Um, my recommendations go to, um, you know, what, uh, what Patrick spoke about, what Patrick and really everyone talked about this morning, which is the work is not done. We need to continue to work to, to uh, advocate. And we have to be effective in our advocacy. And in the case of Puerto Rico, I think it needs to, you have to be really careful because there is so much political division to be able to hire a lobbyist who's a bit of, you know, Switzerland and, um, you know, maybe has some sort of status that allows people in the different parties to listen to that person. I thought it was going to be really important, contrary to what I thought before I did the research, to avoid primary care. And the reason is that was just going to get us into what Andrew Abbott, the uh, uh, 
profession sociologist set calls jurisdictional struggles. And you know, this, this harkens back to the story about PAs and how we were formed uh, by physicians and didn't rest a piece of turf or a piece of juris jurisdiction, but rather were seated that jurisdiction because the, uh, physicians could not cover the entire jurisdiction. So I think uh, it would be important for us to avoid jurisdictional struggles that would be inevitable with the generalistas and with nurse practitioners. And for that reason, I suggested that pilot, uh, PAs be piloted in the medical and surgical uh, specialties at the University of Puerto Rico Medical Center, which would allow just uh, a law that would be limited to that place and hopefully not threatening um, to others. And would it would be sort of like uh, a Yale or you know, Duke starting uh, a program like that, which I think has a lot to do with our acceptance as a profession that, you know, if flagship institutions took on this sort of interesting new idea that, you know, perhaps it would be more accepted. And I think it will be critical as, I think it is inevitable, I don't know what the timeline is, but that we uh, prospectively evaluate um, really critical indicators of quality, acceptance, access to care, um, and so forth, and cost. I'd like to acknowledge and thank uh, funding I received from the Britman Dorn uh, from the PA Foundation and also from the Josiah Charles Trent Memorial Foundation at Duke. And this is the um, legislative uh, building in San Juan. Uh, honestly, I think one of the most beautiful uh, state capitals um, in the U.S. Um, if you're in San Juan, you really should uh, go in and, and look at some of the beautiful paintings um, on the ceilings, you know, of this uh, rotunda, for example. Just a beautiful architecture and a beautiful building with a lot of really uh, proud and, and beautiful history. So, um, and my time, I think, is probably up, but um, should I take questions? Yes. interviewing uh, Puerto Rican patients in the mainland. Um, I didn't formally do that, obviously, for scope and trying to get your dissertation done. Uh, informally, I, I did talk to a lot of uh, folks who talked to me. Some of my interview subjects, I had a few interview subjects that were in the U.S. and they spoke about, you know, their families' struggles and, and so forth, but, you know, it's, um, uh, there's the same uh, number of Puerto Ricans in uh, the mainland as there are on the island. So there's a very large uh, population, largely here on the East Coast. So that, that could be very interesting. Anything else? Yes? I wonder, when did you complete the study and like, what has happened since? Well, I, I completed the study in 2008. Um, the, it, this was a leadership doctorate in public health um, in health policy and management from UNC Chapel Hill. And um, I was in the first cohort of, of this program. And they said that the goal of the program was to, for, for the dissertations to make a difference and achieve change. And I, I can't say that that's happened, um, but I can say that now that this is published and out there, I do get contacts for, contacted by, I've been contacted by several legislators. I know there's um, enabling legisla legislation pending now um, it has a number of problems that I think go back to that 
thing about not really understanding PAs. Um, and it proposes a very limited role. Um, but I think that um, the PA world here in the mainland um, and folks who are interested are, has really um, been energized. I, I don't claim because of my efforts, but just because this is really coming to the fore as, as the, last, the last place in America. And there's a new, um, there's a satellite program of Chatham University um, in, I think, Ponce, is it Ponce? Bayamon. Um, Marianne, you were going to comment. Yes, actually, um, I think uh, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I'm the, legislative, oh, I'm the legislative chairperson for Physician Assistance for Latino Health. And uh, we are having uh, right now, this is, oh, I'm sorry, this is about the fourth um, iteration, I think, or third of bills that have been passed or uh, put, uh, put forth. This particular one uh, reminds me of uh, what happened in Florida. They're trying to um, make everything right for all the generalistas, and um, they could be called PAs, not to worry. So we have to go back to the, 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 the board again. And actually, AAPA has been very, very helpful, the state legislative uh, folks. Um, and they've been sending, I think it's about the third or fourth time, that they've sent information to the Puerto Rican legislatures legislators. Um, Luis Ramos, Utilio Ramos, and myself, none of them related. No relation. <laughs> uh, um, actually have gone down um, to the legislature and spoken to folks. Now, the interesting thing is, as, as Justine pointed out, this is like their, their fun. And many of the physicians are legislators. And that is an interesting thing. I just found out with this new bill, I was doing some research on the woman who wrote this bill, or was putting it forward. Um, she and my cousin had written something. So I have to call my cousin and find out what's <laughs> the real scoop. But an older cousin, when, when I went down, maybe three or four years ago, said, physician assistance over my dead body. So it's the turf issues. It's the under, misunderstanding of what a physician assistant is and they still think that the generalistas and the PAs will be a problem, although the people that know, and we've actually been advertising in the uh, Opitalis, the, the journal for especially the surgeons. Surgeons that come to this country to get residency, they say, what do you mean we can't bring our PAs down with us? Because how can I harvest veins? I mean, I can't use a, a cardiothoracic surgeon because they don't want to do it. So I'm going to stay in the States, and that's the brain drain. So we're working on the surgeons. We're working on, um, of course, the surgical PAs keep coming to us. We, we actually uh, have a booth every year, and they keep saying, well, OK, put me on the list, and uh, we'll all work with everybody. But until there's more of an understanding in, on the island what physician assistants are and do, it won't go forward. But um, uh, there's just little pockets. The, the nephrologists want us to do, um, you know, uh, some of the work with uh, the, you know, uh, dialysis. Thank you very much. I'm having a, more than a moment. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so that kind of stuff, if the dialysis works, 
you know, I mean, if we could, if we can show that we will be cost effective, and especially with the new health care reforms, that's I think where it's at. But and and I've been working very closely with the folks for health care reform to actually make sure that Puerto Rico was involved because at first they weren't going to be. Yeah. But it, it did go through. So anyway, thank you for the moment. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.